on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Wayman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Dan Murphy joins us to explain the letter that the NCAA sent to schools about the NIL guidelines they need to follow. Then we give you the latest OU football updates, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Wednesday, June 28th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there's so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of June and July, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Shout out to the person that left a review that just says nice comment, which I found very clever. Well done. Ted, how we doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Okay, so some programming notes for the podcast. This Sunday, we've got an hour-long interview with Kenny Stills that we've already recorded. And Ted, I think it's safe to say it is it's the most interesting interview we've ever done on here. Is that safe to say? I think so. In my opinion, yes, I would agree with that. A lot of football talk, a lot of mental health talk, some fashion talk, which is always a hot topic when it comes to Mr. Stills. Um some drugs talk. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. just just a warning for that. It's it's very, very interesting, but there's also some strong language in that interview. Just want to give everyone a heads up. We'll try to give everyone a heads up when that's going to be the case, because I know a lot of people listen with their kids, but just a, a fascinating interview with Kenny that's coming that's coming on Sunday. Yeah, I, I you know, I've said this a bunch. I'm just I'm. Um, I'm just I'm proud of the place he's in right now. He seems to be very grounded and and knows what he's going after and where he needs to be, where he needs to spend his time and where he needs to help. I I thought it was great. Yep. And then next Wednesday, we've got our first Q&A episode of the year. And I am confident in saying it is the best Q&A episode we've ever done. 
we got some awesome questions from listeners to answer uh, uh, some football ones, some not football ones. And I may or may not cry <laughs> during one of my answers, which I did not see hey. coming. No, hey, you never know where you're going to go. You never know what, um, what avenues you're going to explore. And in about what eight, nine questions, we hit the full range of pretty much everything. It was great. I blame you for the crying, though, because really? you give. Yes, it was your fault because, and I don't want to spoil the question, but you gave one of like the most thoughtful and meaningful and like <laughs> emotional answers. And then it got me in the, it, it like this, this headspace where like yours was, so, your answer was so beautiful. I was like, damn, I might cry. Like, this is amazing <laughs> what Teddy's saying. And then it went to my answer and then my kids got into it and then I started crying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, you know, we're just, uh, we're on the path trying to find enlightenment and we'll, we'll get there through sports or through Q and A's man. We'll just, yeah, yeah. we'll, just, we'll adventure around. We're all, just all trying to find joy in life, man. That's, That's where it. we're at. All right. For this episode, the NCA just sent a letter to schools. Very interesting and could change NIL and college athletics depending on kind of how you think it's going to go. So we're going to get to our interview with Dan Murphy, who does an awesome job covering this stuff for ESPN. We're going to get to that interview right now, and then we'll explain how that affects Oklahoma, and then we'll give you the other OU football news. All right, so here is ESPN's Dan Murphy. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man who does an awesome job covering all the things I'm too stupid to understand for ESPN. Dan Murphy is in the house. Dan, how we doing, man? I'm good. One of the benefits of being a reporter is you get to be professionally stupid. Just ask a lot of questions and say, explain it to me like I'm a kindergartner. So that's pretty much what I'm doing these days. Uh, I like it now. We're having you on to talk about this, this letter that the NCAA sent regarding NIL to schools this week. What, what did the letter say? Yeah. So the context here, right, over the course of the past few months, there's been a handful of states and a little bit of momentum rolling on state laws starting to go into effect that really push the envelope on how involved schools can get themselves in helping athletes make money from NIL deals. So to sort of preempt some of those laws going into effect this summer, the NCAA puts out this this letter to the schools yesterday on Tuesday. And they said, look, even if the state law says you can do this stuff, it's still against our rules. And so you don't have to do this stuff. If you do, we're going to Trump come after you and try to punish you. And so, you know, we're two years into NIL. The NCAA really hasn't tried to punish anybody, you know, other than one little slap on the wrist to the Miami women's basketball program. And so, you know, in some ways, this is the NCAA posturing a little bit more and saying, hey, we're actually going to come try to enforce some of these rules here. And the question remains whether or not, one, they they have the will to do that. And two, if they do try to enforce our rules, whether they're legally able to based on the way some of these laws are written. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating problem. Um, you know, on the one hand, I blame the NCAA for for getting us to where we are. Right. Um, but now that it's all happened. I 
it kind of it it looks bad to a certain degree on the NCAA, but I wonder how many schools have been really pushing for this, even in some states that have adopted some new laws. I I feel like maybe two years in, are are all the institutions or a, a big percentage of the institutions saying like we need the NCAA to get a wrap on this with some guidelines quickly? It's interesting, but the schools are basically saying is, yeah, we we want the NCAA to control this. But in the meantime, if we can get a leg up, if we can get an advantage over some all of our other competitors, we're going to go ahead and push the envelope as much as we can. It's important to remember, right, that the NCAA is the schools, the group that makes these rules that all gets together and say we're all going to play by the same rules. The schools are the ones who have that discussion. And so it, it's interesting to see the schools. It's It's easier now for these schools to go try to change a state law than to go through the NCAA rulemaking process and to get everybody to agree and to move forward. So while everyone says out loud, we all got to get on the same page, we got to put some guardrails in place. That's the big word everybody uses. In the meantime, while they're saying that out loud, they're also looking for every advantage they can to push the envelope as much as possible. You mentioned that, you know, certain state laws are going into effect or about to go into effect. With this letter, what states what what states are the NCA targeting? And as a result of that, you know, what schools do they seem to be targeting with this messaging? So I, I think the the main one, right? Texas has a law going into effect on Saturday, July 1st. They're gonna have a law. And a lot of things that are allowed in that law were specifically called out in the NCAA's letter. Like, for example, one of them is most big schools have a a fundraising arm that is a separate private entity, a nonprofit group that raises money, but their sole purpose is to raise money to, to help the university athletic department. Right down at Texas A&M, they have the 12th Man Foundation. At Texas, it's Longhorn Foundation. You know, most I'm sure Oklahoma has one too. I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but uh, those groups traditionally, if you donate to one of those schools, uh, those groups, that'll help, you know, the improvement for the football stadium or a new locker room for the soccer team, that kind of thing. And in exchange for those donations, you get uh, better seats at, at home games or you get first priority to get bowl tickets or whatever it may be. And so what's happening now is, is the law in Texas is going to allow you to get those same perks for giving to an NIL fund as you would for giving to the, the money that's going to the school. And the school is going to kind of partner with these groups and say, yeah, yeah, we're going to give you these perks for, for giving money to an NIL fund. The NCAA think that's, thinks that's going too far and that's a school getting too too involved in incentivizing fans to give money to players. Um, so that, that's the Texas law. There are similar laws, although they're not all quite the same uh, in Oklahoma, in Missouri, in Arkansas. I think New York has one that's kind of similar. And, and there's enough of these brewing that like the assumption is that once one state gets up and running with this, just the same way it happened with the NIL laws, everybody else, competitive forces are going to drive everybody else to get involved. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. I, now, one of the things, and you never know how true any of this stuff is, but it's been floated around in recent years that the SEC, the the Big Ten, maybe the Power Five, well, they don't necessarily need the NCAA, right? The NCAA doesn't govern their championship. It's it's a little bit different than, than the other sports is – is this like maybe a, a battle line in that regard? It, it, I don't know if it's necessarily them drawing a line, but it, it certainly seems like something that's that's pushing the momentum of that kind of movement, right? If if the NCAA all wanted these kind of perks and benefits to be allowed, they could get together as a group and say, yep, the rules are going to allow this to happen. But I think what we're seeing is that these power five schools, the, you know, especially a power five football program, their reality is so much different from pretty much everybody else in the NCAA that the rules don't make sense for all those people to be under the same set of rules anymore. And so I think that that kind of makes the argument further that like maybe these the football ought to go do its own thing. And that would be would make life simpler for everybody. There's a lot of financial ties that that rope these schools together and tradition ties and that kind of thing that that make people hesitate to do that. But I'll say, you know, I talked to Ross Bjork, the, the AD down at Texas A&M this week about these kind of issues. And I, I asked him about that. Whether, and, and he said, well, look, that might be an issue for another day. But yeah, like, you know, we're, we're getting closer and closer to that being a discussion that has to be had at this point. So uh, I saw some of the quotes from your conversation from Ross Bjork. And basically he said, yeah, we're not going to listen to the NCAA on this. We're going to follow Texas law. So, where do you think this goes? Like, cause if the athletic director for AM's saying, Hey, we're, we don't care what the NCAA thinks Like, ultimately does this end up in court? Like how, how do you see this playing out? Yeah. So let's game it out a little bit. Cause there's a few steps to it, right? So these laws go into effect. A school in Texas starts giving perks and benefits to donors that the NCAA doesn't want it to do. So the next step would be the NCAA has to actually punish one of those schools and say, hey, you're breaking our rules. We're going to give you a, a postseason ban or fine you or whatever it's going to be. If they do that, then the school in Texas could respond by suing the NCAA and saying, under Texas state law, you're not allowed to punish me for this. And so then you'd have a court battle between the, the state of Texas's law and the NCAA, where the NCAA would argue, you know, this law isn't constitutional. You're interfering with our ability to do business as a, a private club, a private organization. And honestly, that kind of thing, like all these other court battles, is something that would probably take years to settle and would get appealed up through federal courts. And we would take a whole bunch of time and, and a whole bunch of billable hours for lawyers to settle on. But but that's that's the likely track that this is headed on if, if everybody sort of stands behind their guns and, and sticks with the things that they've said in the past few days. I get the idea that, I don't know, there's there's some mixed signals out there, but I feel like everyone kind of wants this thing reined in. And I don't, a lot of people aren't, they can't say that publicly, right? Because 
what does that do for you in recruiting and in the transfer portal, right? If you go out and say, listen, we got to, we got to get our, our hands around this thing as it's spinning out of control. And another university is saying like, Hey, we're going by our state law that we probably wrote ourselves and gave to the legislator, you know, like, so I think there's a group by it behind closed doors would say, let's, we got to rein this thing in. So isn't it going to ultimately be up to the conferences? Like, so the NCAA probably doesn't have the right to be able to go after Texas A&M. But if the SEC would agree with some guidelines, that's a totally different matter. If your conference is saying, this is what we abide by in this conference, and if you want to be a part of it, this is what we have to do, or, you know, you can go find somewhere else to play. But the problem there, right, is the SEC is not going to act before the Big Ten acts right, or before the Pac-12. So uh, it's it's one of those things. But don't 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 you think ultimately the conferences are going to have to set the, the real guidelines? I think they can play a role. I think there would still be and I'm not smart enough to know the answer to this. There'd still be some legal implications of whether or not the conference could place limits on its schools or whether that's in some way an antitrust violation, which is the thing that's holding up the NCAA from from reining this thing in. But. To your earlier point, I think for the past year and a half or two years, a lot of the conversation has been we need to rein this thing in. I think the more the more people I talk to these days, athletic directors, university presidents, conference commissioners, right? It's gone from we need to rein this thing in to all we want is a solid set of rules where we know what the rules are and they're they're gonna be the rules moving forward. There's too much uncertainty now and everything changes month to month based on the, the way the competition is, is shaping things. I think they're wrapping their heads around the idea that like legally they're not going to be able to rein this in. Like the cat's out of the bag. This is happening. The idea is like, okay, how do we get far enough down the road and satisfying everybody who's advocating for athletes to get more so that we can have something that's a little bit more solid and a little bit more permanent than we have. So it's not just a constant trickle of, of this evolving rule. And I don't know where that limit is or, or if the NCAA is willing to go far enough to reach that limit. But I think more than anything, what what athletic directors, what people involved in the sport want right now is something concrete that's going to be around for a while so they don't have to keep adjusting to whatever's coming down the road. All right. You, you've got the big brain. So I'm going to ask you I'm ask you a simple question that I assume requires a complex answer. All of this NIL stuff, how does the IRS factor into all of this? Because I – all these NIL articles I keep reading, like the IRS keeps coming up. Yeah. Okay. So the, there's a couple steps to explain in that one. The, the main way that money's flowing through NIL to athletes right now is through collectives, right? These groups of boosters that have gotten together and created private businesses with the sole goal of like, let's put money in the pockets of our college athletes. Um, and it, it's sort of a workaround. It's created sort of a, a de facto salary, but it's a workaround that allows them to do it under the NCAA's rules. And that's about 90% of the money that's flowing through Power 5 right now comes through donors giving money to collectives. Um, the A lot of these collectives have set themselves up as nonprofit organizations saying they're doing charitable work because in exchange for the money that the collective gives to the player, the player has to tweet something out about a local charity or something like that. They're promoting a local charity. And the collective set themselves up that way 
because they wanted people to give them money that would be a tax write-off in the same way that you can give money to your local public college. And that counts as a tax write-off, even if that money's going to pay the coach's salary or something like that. Recently, a couple of weeks ago, the IRS said, Hey guys, what you're doing here in funneling money to college athletes, giving the money to college athletes is not a charitable business. Like let's call this what it is. You're trying to raise money to recruit better athletes in the long run. And we're not going to allow you to call this a charitable business going forward. So all of these groups that have set themselves up as nonprofits and told their donors, hey, you can get a tax write-off if you give us money, suddenly have to figure out if they're legally okay or walk that back a little bit. And, it, and it's thrown a, a pretty big ripple in, in that sort of cottage industry that's passed up, that's packed, popped up and, and been the way that a lot of money flows to college athletes. So it's it's an interesting debate. Uh, you know, I, I think one could easily say, well, look, if it's not if it's not charity to to give money directly to the athletes, how how can we call it a tax write off when you're giving money to pay off the coach's salary or to pay the coach's buyout or whatever it is? And so there's a debate still to be had there, and the IRS hasn't hasn't strung anybody up yet for for doing something wrong. Uh, but yeah, that that IRS memo that came out a couple of weeks ago, I think, gave a lot of people pause about how all this is going to work moving forward. We'll get you back to the interview, but first. Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch the price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's travel stops loves also have you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to go zone and of course don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious java opolis clothing is the exclusive home for all of our oklahoma breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your ou and okc thunder gear as well if you want to live your life and better yourself comfort go to opolisclothing.com that's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. Their food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, back to the interview. Which I'll tell you, I hate the IRS. <laughs> Who doesn't, right? They are correct. It's not charity. I, you know, this, it's not why that, that whole, um, that's not why that's set up through the IRS tax code. It's, this isn't charity, which kind of ties in to the other part of this is, uh, you mentioned like schools are you know wanting to give players more. I does anyone? I I know there is, but where's the line between we want to give the players a piece of the pie, and this is a way we can get better at recruiting, right? Like how much of it, of it is legit? Because I think NILs are like, or, or excuse me, I think collectives are not just a workaround it's like defrauding what the nil is supposed to be it's supposed to be name image and likeness if someone wants to come and offer you a deal 
to market, you know, whatever their car dealership or whatever their business is, that's a name, image, and likeness deal. And I'm a thousand percent for that. But the collective stuff, can we all just agree it's cheating? It's all it is is trying to who can pile up the most money to pay the most recruits. That's what this is. I mean, it, it has evolved into something very quickly, right? That is essentially a de facto payroll for the schools that's just outsourced to somebody other than the school, right? That, whether it's, you know, some people are definitely using it to tamper and making offerings, offers ahead of times to lure recruits in. Some people are just trying to set up a system where they can say, hey, if you come here, every player here is making six figures or making X amount of dollars for, for being here. So you'll probably get the same deal once you're here. And so, I mean, I guess it depends on if you want to call that cheating or not, right? Like every school spends a lot of money and has always spent a lot of money to try to get an edge in recruiting. It used to be on fancy locker rooms and mini golf courses and, and all that kind of stuff. And now that money is basically sliding over into a department where the payers are actually the players are actually just getting cash. Uh, and like that's a different world. Uh, and it certainly is different than than what was originally pitched as like, here's what NIL is. And it just begs the question, like, if we're doing this, why not take the next step and, and just pay the athletes directly or or give them a share of all the money raised in these TV deals? And it certainly feels like whether it's it's the legal world or the state lawmakers or the schools themselves getting together and deciding that this thing is, you know, evolved beyond what they say it is, we're headed down that path, right? Where at some point in the next few years, players are going to be getting more directly and it's going to look more professional than it currently does, at least at the very top level of college sports. Dan, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, we needed someone that is smarter than us to come explain all this stuff to us. Appreciate it and have fun continuing to <laughs> cover this shit show. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. I don't, I don't know if I explained any of it because I, I barely understand it myself, but it's a fun conversation to have. You explained it perfectly, and it's all going to change tomorrow, and we're going to need you to explain it all again tomorrow and then the next week. <laughs> You'll know where to find me anytime, yeah. guys. Anytime. Yeah, keep those DMs open, buddy. I'm going to keep sliding in there. All right, as long as I get that NFL money for coming on. Yeah, there you go. Just some, some off awesome information. Uh, from Dan there. I thought he explained it really, really simply. Easy for me to understand, which I like. Yeah, yeah. Very, very crisp, to the point answers. Uh, not a lot of, of speculation or predicting in there. Just kind of cold hard fact. What do we know right now and how it does affect uh, some of the things that we have coming up in the near future? That's about as good an info as you can get. Yeah, so Dan, he, he mentioned the state of Texas a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And that leads to an interesting conversation about how, how does this affect Oklahoma football? Right. Which is what we focus on here on this podcast. And about a month ago, we talked about Oklahoma lawmakers overriding Kevin Stitt's veto, which implemented a law that allows donors to give to OU's foundation, uh, write that donation off their taxes and, and that money essentially can be used for NIL purposes with, with athletes. And I, I was wondering when I saw this letter go out, like how does this affect OU and what they're trying to do? So I did the simple thing, Ted. I asked. <laughs> I asked the leadership at OU's athletic department, how does this affect what y'all are trying to do? And here's the, here's the response I got. We're evaluating, but possibly – 
That in the IRS letter of 10 days ago, most of what is in there is not surprising, but their take on the state laws is the part we are getting defined. So to me, it seems like OU is trying to figure out whether or not donations to a foundation or a collective that's set up as a nonprofit will be tax deductible, right? With what the IRS has has come out and said and what Dan mentioned. And I, I don't think anyone wants to mess with the IRS, really. And I think the other piece of it is OU is trying to figure out what is considered a benefit, right? Because the Oklahoma state law says that donors aren't supposed to receive any benefits for their donation. So what is considered a benefit? Does it have to have monetary value? Is, you know, loyalty points or basically the football version of frequent flyer miles, is there a monetary value on that, right? I That is, so there are, there are some questions that Oklahoma's leadership has about all of this, and they're trying to get it all cleared up. This thing is the best, dude. Well, I can answer both of those questions. Oh, here we go. No, it's not a tax deduction. Yes, frequent flyer miles are a benefit. Now, are they able to find some gray area to be able to get away with it is a separate issue, but I think we all know right away, right? That if you're giving something of, uh, that, you know, upgrades your seats or gives you points to towards something else, right? That's a benefit. We all know that, but can you find a way for it to, you know, for people to be able to do it like within your law, is there enough gray there to be able to do it? Right. The thing with the IRS, here's the deal. It's federal. Doesn't matter what your state law says. You know, you can, you can probably, it's one of those things where it's just, you're, you're flipping the coin, right? You're taking the risk. If, if, if you, if you try and take that, um, if you try and take that as a, as a donation, it's just, is the IRS going to ID it and call me on it? Right. That's, that's kind of the thing that you're waiting on right there. And some people will be okay with that. And others frankly just won't. So I don't know. I, I personally, I kind of feel like they're maybe holding on to something that they're not going to be able to do, but you know, uh, I don't know how to find the loopholes in the gray area. So a few things I know, I talked to an OU regent last week. I know OU has a structure that they are ready to utilize where the donations are not tax deductible, right? They have what that will look like in place and they are ready to use it. However, if Texas A&M and Texas are able to have people give money and those people be able to write it off their taxes and they get benefits Oklahoma and the schools here in the state, they they don't want to fall behind. Like you think of the ultra competitive SEC OU's about to enter. You don't want to put yourself at a disadvantage as compared to what Texas and Texas AM are doing from a fundraising standpoint and an NIL standpoint. And the 
the NIL money that players are getting as a result of that. You don't want to put yourself at a disadvantage. So I think we can all agree that people being able to write donations that go into players' pockets off as, as tax write-offs, that, that doesn't feel right. But if the, the schools in the state of Texas are doing it, you don't want to put yourself as at a disadvantage, especially when you've essentially written the state law. So I, this is a tough situation. It, it really is because you, you do not want to fall behind in anything when it comes to Texas and Texas A&M, right? With your future in the SEC. But you also don't want a bunch of your donors getting audited for all this stuff. So I, I don't know, man, but it is, it's so interesting. There's so many factors in all of this. Like some people thought NIL was going to be simple. No, 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 it's a disaster. Um, as I said previously, a quagmire of bad stuff. I believe you said a quagmire of shit <laughs> and we got so many tweets about your use of that phrase. We even had one person request to put it on a t-shirt. Oh my gosh. But th this is, it goes back to why this is why I asked Dan Murphy the question. Like, ultimately, everyone's going to try and get a leg up if they can. So it has to come, in my opinion, from the conferences to try and get all of the member institutions together and agree on, like, what do we want to do here to to be able to stay competitive uh, nationally. Have our all of our member institutions be able to stay competitive within the conference and also give the players opportunity to make money. I what what can we do that everyone can agree with? Because if if you don't do that, then Texas, Texas AM down there in, in Texas are going to take advantage of their state state law, push the envelope as to as to you know what what exactly uh, people can do wait to see if there's any fallout from that. But in the meantime, push and push and push because here's the thing, man, this is college football. Don't we want to see who can build the best football team, coach the best football team, recruit the best football team, or do we just want to see who can buy the best football team? And I don't think that that's what people want to see. I could be wrong. And I'm sure people at Texas A&M want to see, like, it's nuts about who can buy the best football team and, you know, whatever. But I think nationally you would like to see, um, you know, this everyone have a chance. And I know, like, that's very difficult to do in college. There's, there's such a discrepancy in schools. But I feel like we're we're getting further and further and further from that. And that's – Ultimately, not what I think the, the collective group of college football fans want. Right. And now I, I don't know how many, how many New York Mets fans listen to our podcast, but so, there's got to be a couple. And those couple are going, let me tell you, man, just because you spend the most money doesn't mean you'll have the best teams. There's right. some Mets fans, but I, I completely understand what you're saying. And my idea remains the same for what Oklahoma football should do. And I, I don't think anyone wants the IRS 
snooping around their affairs. So it's simple for me. Offer a handful of big-time donors a ticket and access package for giving X amount that goes into an NIL pot. And in return, those donors get all kinds of sweet stuff that no one else gets. Ride on the team plane, go to spring practice, go to training camp, go in the locker room after the game, listen to what BVs tells the team, give them all the issue team issued gear, give them the Jordans that they want. Like I think enough people, I think, Oh, you could find enough people to want to be part of an exclusive club like that. And another thing you can do is the simplest thing, because the, the athletes still have to do something for the money, right? The simplest thing is for OU to build a student athlete media network, whether that's through YouTube or through Sooner Vision and ESPN Plus, just Hey, you create content and you could even use the Gaylord College, right? The journalism kids. Like you need camera operators, you need producers, you need directors. Let all those students over there get experience and run this thing for you. And that's what they do to get the NIL money, right? They do, they do, they create content. It takes a lot of organization and a lot of planning, but that feels the cleanest and most efficient to me, but no one seems to care what I think about it. So it, it, it is what it is, but that's my idea. And I'm going to keep throwing out, I'm going to speak it into existence, Ted. Well, I like your idea. I'm going to tell you the problem with it. That requires the players to have to do something. <laughs> They'd prefer to go somewhere where they don't have to do anything for the money. And that's what I'm saying, like, that all of that stuff is great. But until some type of governing body, whether it's the NCAA or conferences, until they lay down some guidelines, the easiest path to the most money is what players are going to do. And I can't necessarily blame them. No. Can't blame them at all. Can't blame them at all. Like, Gosh. Just give me the cash and the Lamborghini to drive around town. Yeah, and that's what I'm. That's where I'm going to go. You know. Yeah. This whole thing is a mess. That's enough nil talk. It's, Let's. Well, here, here's the thing. I, I, I think the Power Five needs to separate from the NCAA. Now they have their grant of rights stuff, which I think. I, I don't I don't know how necessarily this fits in, but it's unavoidable. You're gonna have to collectively bargain for the players to take a piece of the television payout deals. That's where this thing's going. We can fart around with NIL and you know, paying recruits or whatever this stupid stuff is that we're doing now. It's ultimately that's where it's gonna be. It's gonna be just like the NFL where the players collectively bargain for the revenue of the NFL and they take a share that share has constantly gone up. What is it now? 65%, something like that, maybe higher of the overall revenue. And that's distributed. And that goes through, you know, the player salary cap and everything. And I think in college, 
you would it would probably end up being an even amount to every player uh you know at, at least in the beginning that would probably change but don't you think ultimately it's what they're going to have to get to yeah i just i th- this thing has it's gotten so complicated that you know i used to think that i had a pretty good general idea of where it may end up landing Right. And now I'm just sitting here going, oh, I I don't know what the ultimate structure is going to look like, but it does. A lot of people think, you know, what you just described is where this is all headed. But if it does get to that point, do these collectives and everything just go away? You're still going to have groups associated with these universities trying to incentivize recruits to come play there, right? It, it's, yeah. it's not going away. Even if you're getting a cut of the television revenue, it's like, well, everyone's getting a cut of the television revenue, all these football players in this conference. But if you come here, you'll get this as extra. And like, it, it just, just going to keep going, man. I don't, so I don't know. It's crazy. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, the only fix I have for that is a draft, and that ain't happening. That ain't you know, happening. So, I I don't know. It's it's yeah, a quagmire, a quagmire, a quagmire. All right, let's get to the other OU news. Let's start here. You and I, we love the Oklahoma guys, right? Yep. Class of twenty twenty four running back Xavier Robinson, out of Carl Albert, commits to Oklahoma on Tuesday, and this is a big back. And it pains me because the first clip on his highlight reel is him destroying my Bishop McGinnis fighting Irish. <laughs> oh, <laughs> stiff arms a kid basically into the center of the earth on a touchdown run on McGinnis's field. But 6'2", already 220 pounds. I mean, tackle-breaking machine in Oklahoma high school football. What do you think, Ted? I mean, this you you don't let the top the top ranked players in the state get out of the state and this may not be something that Lincoln Riley wanted you would have done but i love the mentality Brent Venables has taken with the in state guys yeah i do too i do too um yeah th- he i think he's got some great versatility he can be a a big physical downhill running back and he could also like, I, cause I would imagine the kid's going to end up putting on 15, 20 pounds possibly, or, or has the ability to in a, in a strength and conditioning program. And as good as they feed those guys up there, I, he kind of reminds me like body type and athleticism of Mikey Henderson. So I wonder if, you know, there's a, uh, a thought, and I don't even know, this is just me off the top of my head thinking that he could be like an H-back type of player too. Um, I don't know if they've thought about that at all, but that's, I, I just, I like that there's versatility there where size-wise, if he gets to that point, like maybe there's other ways he could help the offense as well, um, not just as a, as a you know, kind of traditional running back, but I love the size, I love the physicality, I love the fact that uh, he's an Oklahoma kid and he's staying staying close to home. I think all of it is excellent. I he's better than a three star running back. Oh my gosh, 
There's no doubt. And, you know, you, I, I think a lot of people just see the height and weight and they go, oh, awesome. But when you watch them, the patience, uh, the feet, uh, the agility in tight spaces, like that's what stood out to me. That's that's where I was like, okay, this is a big guy that's got, you know, I mean, he's got sweet, sweet feet. And I love where your head's at. You can never have too many big athletes that you can use as chess pieces on offense. I mean, it's the type of guy that you can start getting really creative with if you're an offensive coordinator. And you, if you're using them in a variety of ways, that challenges what type of personnel a defense has to play when a guy like that's on the field. So, you know, he's, he's got good suddenness. Uh, and this is something that you and I talk about, about in the wide receiver room, but I think it it also applies to the running back room. He's just a different build and a different, and got a yeah. different style really the, the, than any other running back OU's got on the roster right now. Yep. And that's good. Uh, you need, you need, you don't want, you know, five or six guys in that room that are all the exact same player. You'd like uh, to have a, a nice balance of of guys that have different strengths and weaknesses. You'd like to have a downhill physical back. You'd like to have a, a guy that's great in the open field. You'd like to have a guy that you can split out, run routes with. Um, yeah, just to have some variety, I, I think, is a good thing. And, you know, we've seen it in the past, like, I don't think it's just a Lincoln Riley thing. I think anyone in college football would like to have it a closer, right? Whenever you get up second half, you you've already run 65 plays. That defense is worn out. Oh, guess what? Here's the, uh, here's the 230 pound downhill running back coming in, try and finish the game off tackling this guy. So I, I think that there's uh, plenty of roles for him there. Yeah. You think of, you know, how they use Trey Sermon, how they use Samaj P. Ryan, in situations like that we'll we'll see but i'm rooting for xavier robinson i know that yep. oklahoma guy come on baby let's go make make us proud and kevin sperry that man is working quickly you got the carl albert we already got one of the titans in the boat now what three more you still got uh tristan haynes trinay washington and marcus james come on kevin sperry keep doing good work down there let's go yeah, it won't take long through summer workouts and seven on seven before everyone's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go play with that dude. Yeah. He's, so. he, I, uh, you've heard me say it. I think he's going to be incredible. Yeah. No, I'm with you. All right. Other news Aaron Parks, offensive tackle, has entered the transfer portal. Not ideal, right? Because in a pinch, he is definitely a guy that can help you. We saw that in, in the bowl game. Right, Jacob Sexton went down, Aaron Park stepped in and played well. But in my opinion, he's just he's not a starting level player at Oklahoma. He he just isn't and hasn't really been able to break through in his time in Norman. And when you look at the offensive tackle situation with Guyton and Rouse and Sexton and what they saw from Caden Green as a true freshman early enrollee. Uh, Jake Taylor's versatility along the offensive line. And then you always have the portal, right, to lean on. And Bill Beanbow has a hell of a reputation when it comes to developing players. I I don't love seeing him go, but 
I honestly think you can get someone, someone that can contribute more significantly moving forward with that scholarship spot. And that may sound harsh, but just kind of how I see it, Ted. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I guess you never know, but my, my instant feeling is whether it's Sexton is, is gosh, it's still early for him. You don't think he's able to do much right now, right? Six months in. Yeah, not able to do much, but you know, I saw him out in spring ball and talked to him briefly about said his knee was feeling great, rehab was going great. So and that's the thing is, you know, healthy Sexton is is ahead of Parks on the depth chart. Right. right? You know, remember that's Parks I'm, came I'm in. I'm wondering for him. like if this is obviously he gives you some depth that in a in a pinch, as you mentioned, he can get in there and, and kind of hold point for you but like is this just a view for him of of what it looks like in front of him right now and if it looks good in front of him you can't necessarily blame the guy and I I guess I'm saying maybe I you could spin this as a good thing right that we're starting to shape up really good with some young talent that's stepping in front of some guys that previously had been rotational players backups and now that young group is is starting to show out where everyone can kind of see the writing on the wall. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I do not view this really as a negative at all. I mean, I just don't with, when you look at the guys that, you know, they're younger than him, but certainly when you look at the measurables, the level of talent, their ceiling uh, are just more exciting players. So I don't view it as a positive necessarily, right? Because right. you don't want to lose guys that could help you, you know, if a, you know, if a bad situation arises. But yeah, I, I think the way that you described it, it's a good way of describing it, is that this should be exciting news when it comes to the development of some of these younger linemen. You think how good do you think Aaron Parks is? Is he good enough to to start at a non-power five? Yeah, yeah. You know, going back to. You know, last year during spring ball, he was he was working with the you know, working with the first group some. So yeah. he's you know, I think he can I think he can play a lot of places. Change of scenery also can yeah. do a guy some good. So we'll see where he ends up landing and best of luck to him. Hope he goes somewhere in balls. Yeah, I I, I do too, and like that just kind of ties back in when a guy leaves we are always going to view it first because this is what we do. How does it affect Oklahoma? What does that right. mean for our depth chart? What does that mean for our offense or defense? But a lot of times it could be a good thing. Like I want everyone to go have some success. And I think, as you mentioned, he can play at a lot of places and you know, I, if, if he can go start somewhere and get a couple of years of, of good football being a, a huge part of a, of an offensive line, go do it. That's awesome. Yep. All right. Let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys the most significant thing that has happened this week for OU football. Uh, this first one comes from at Kurt sooner. And all he says is Jerry Schmidt. <laughs> a lot of tweets about old Schmidt over the last couple of days from some current players on the roster, Ted. And I, I would say the tweet that has gotten the most traction 
was the one that Dasan and Dave McCullough's dad put out of him with his boys in Norman. And is it's not awkward. It is what it is. Everyone's talking about how Dasan McCullough looks with his shirt off right now. That's just that's where we're at. That's where we're at in the uh in the college football cycle here in the state. Just talking about shirtless dudes. Well, and his dad's not a small guy, and Dad he looks, looks like good. he's a foot taller than him, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he looks impressive and uh younger brother looks really good too. And you know, I, I know the whenever McCola came came in, there's there's a bunch of high expectations and rightfully so. And then, you know, he's playing a position where, you know, he, he was fish out of water, right? Totally different than what he was used to. And, you know, had to tell some people, even had maybe some guys even up at OU, give him some time. Like, let him, let him, like, learn that role a little bit and learn some of the muscle memory and the movements there. And he got way better by the end of spring. Still has a long way to go, but. Physically, he looks like he's, I don't know, 20 pounds at least, maybe more whenever you're 6'6 or close to it like he is, and you can visibly see size. Like, that usually means a significant weight increase. Right. He's listed at 222 on the roster. Incorrect. No. <laughs> Incorrect. And it seeing the picture, and I'd say I studied it for a proper amount of time, right, a proper amount of time. He's starting to look more of like an outside linebacker body type to me. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what that means for where they see him in the defense. And if it is still the cheetah position, what's that mean for how Venables structures that role within the defense this season? Because when it, if you got a guy looking like that, you're probably not going to ask him you know, to be in a ton of man coverage as a true nickel, right? It's probably more of a hybrid nickel outside linebacker playing, maybe bumping in the box a little more, playing at the line of scrimmage more. I don't, it just made me start thinking about what that position could look like with him just looking the way that he does right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I will say this though, you know, he is, he's super thin in the lower body. Yeah. So I, you saw the big, strong upper body, but he's super lean in the lower body. So I do think that that suits him more than, than like a typical edge guy. You, you, those guys have some thickness to him. Um, so he's kind of that hybrid role, but you're right, man. It's, it goes back to versatility, right? It gives you as a defensive coordinator, you know, it gives you some some different ammo like that you can use. Like, got some size now. I'll tell you right now, Justin Harrington is a big dude as well. Um, but Dasan gives you a little bit different different look there at you know six five, and I I'm guessing two hundred forty pounds. Who knows what he is? But um, yeah, personnel packages, different personnel groupings that you get. It just gives you flexibility, and ultimately that's what you want. You want guys that can do more. You can use them as different chess pieces throughout. And, you know, if, if he can continue to get the mental part of it down, playing that cheetah position, which is difficult, I I think that I think he can do a lot of stuff. I think he can move to inside backer. I think he can play edge in certain situations whenever you're 
you're expecting pass and, and you just need guys to to pressure off the outside. So also you need guys like that running down on kickoff. You know, you can always use those guys on special teams and we're starting to build some quality depth there on the defensive side. Yep. All right. This other one comes from Mike Arona and he said stone Tatum and Winery did not commit anywhere else. Which is a great way of looking at it, right? David Stone uh, went on that Michigan State visit. As far as I know, no commitment to the Spartans after that one. Tatum, number one running back in the class. A lot of people projecting him to end up at Oklahoma. And then Winery, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people projecting him to end up at Oklahoma. So you're talking about, you know, two top 10 players in the country with Stone and Winery at oh, along the defensive line, and then Tatum, the number one running back in the class. OU, it seems like they're in a good position to land those guys, and it helps that they haven't committed anywhere else, just like our man Mike mentioned. That's a good point, Mike. Well done. We're still in the fight, okay? Yeah. We're still in the fight, and, you know, according to a lot of people that are tied in, you know, either – getting info from coaches perhaps, or even from the players themselves. It, it sounds like OU is, is in a good spot, perhaps even leading on all three. Yep. All right. Birthday shout outs. Welcome to the world. Silas James George. Happy first birthday to Logan. Hoppus. I think that's it. Hoppus. Okay. Two P's, one S. Hoppus. Yeah. Happy third birthday to Pierce Cooper. And happy third birthday to Claire Hoppus. Ooh, you better hope Hoppus is correct. You got both of them. And happy 24th birthday to Alexis Fleek. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City grounded in a faith-based education. Students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSS AA athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica compares coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Insurica's goal is to help you avoid a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and control your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I may be getting ahead of myself here with this thing, but I just I had to talk about it because of how awesome it looks. Have you seen the mock-ups of the Las Vegas Formula One circuit, the track? <sighs> Is that not the most incredible looking thing you've ever seen? Just straight down the strip. Let's do it. How, How is, what do you think that's going to sound like? 
insanity because you like have with, the sound bouncing off all the hotels, right? Yeah, and those cars are, dude. I don't not know. Quiet. <laughs> those cars are not quiet, right? That, but, it just looks amazing. Where they have the grandstands and everything set up, that looks like uh, the one in Miami was a hit, and those tickets were not cheap. Um, the one in Austin was great. I can't imagine what those tickets are going to go for so for some really good seats. Like that's going to because I imagine like if you're an international Formula One fan, like Miami was a good one to go to, but Vegas is probably going to get a lot of travel coming to watch that race. It is so unfortunate it's during football season. I know we. And now I'm not going to pretend that I was going to drop whatever it's going to cost. I'm, I wasn't. I wouldn't do it. Maybe but don't play on Sunday. I'm just saying it should. It should be. Uh, well, yeah, the travel would be complicated. Maybe we can make it work. You never know. You never know. You never know. But uh, it just looks. It looks incredible. I I saw something where Formula One they're accepting applications for race marshals for the event. Should we apply? See what happens? See what we get back? We probably Front have to lie seat. because we have no racing experience. We know nothing really about other than what we've learned from Drive to Survive. But we can try. Let's be honest. There's no way. They just they don't have the time. They don't have the resources. They're not they're not digging into anyone's history. You can say whatever you want on there and they're going to take it at face value. So yes, I do think that we uh we sign up. Okay. We'll give it a try. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's do it. Who do, you, who do you have? It's yeah. It looks awesome though. That's going to be what's that November? I think it's like sixteenth to eighteenth or something like that. Yep, think so. Mm. My birthday November eighteenth. So if anyone would like to donate some tickets for my birthday, do that so. is oh, dude, we're going to Provo on your birthday. Awful close to Vegas. Okay. See what just we can saying. do. <laughs> just right. saying. Just say, just saying. Who loves Teddy that much? <laughs> All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Oh, man. I hated this. It was terrible news. Riptide in Florida right now oh, is just gosh. brutal. Um, they've had a they've had a bunch of drownings down there, a bunch of rescues where they've had to to pull people out. It's it's like the silent killer. You don't even know it's there. Um, you know, don't know the details of what happened, but Ryan Mallett drowned down in Florida, just taking a head coaching job at a high school there in Arkansas. Um, obviously, everyone remembers him playing at Arkansas, spent some time in the league. He's a good player. You heard a bunch of his his former teammates and coaches coming out in support. Uh, you just hate to see it. And um, – I always draw a blank. The running back that almost drowned saving his son. Peyton, and Hillis. Niece, Peyton Hillis. You know, he he had a similar situation. It took him a long time to recover uh, after that deal. So just got to, I, I hate that it happened, but you got to use it as a reminder for anyone that's going down there on summer vacations. It's not familiar. Most people that live in Florida, a little more familiar with what's going down there. But if you're going on vacation, Watch the kiddos, have the conversation, um, watch one another whenever you're in the water, take care of each other and the people around you always keep an eye out uh, because it's super dangerous down there this year. Yeah. 
drowns at the age of 35. And I mean, if the riptide can get a guy that big mm-hmm. and that athletic, and I'd have a, and you can't live your life in fear, right? But I, I'd have a tough time letting my kids anywhere near the water in Florida right now. It's, it's tough, you know, all, it, and it's not just kids. It's for even yeah. good swimmers. All that happens is someone throws you a Frisbee or a football goes over your head. You take a couple of, of you know, paddles out to grab it. You go to stand up. All of a sudden, there's no sand underneath you. You're starting to swim. And you're looking at the people on the beach and they're getting further and further away. And it's just, you, you, you get tired quickly. People don't notice. I mean, it's just scary, man. You're right. Yeah, no, it's uh, just, just tragic. Noah, know a lot of guys that played with him, uh, in the NFL, no guys that, you know, played with him in college. Uh, Travis Swanson who's one of my good friends was his center at Arkansas and had a, had a, just a, a beautiful Instagram post about it. And the guy, guy had him a personality. Now I've heard some stories and, but you know, just never see something like that coming. So uh, praying for everyone in the Arkansas football family, obviously praying for the mallet family, just uh, gone, gone way too soon, man. Crazy, yeah. crazy story. Brutal. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. You buy a new or used car. All you have to do is get all of the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive axle or transfer unit they will cover the repair costs it's a great deal you can browse their entire inventory or find the john vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com and first fidelity bank is a full service financial institution based in oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs checking accounts saving accounts home loans and much more they do it all whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone everything is stress-free with ffb Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Ryan Seacrest. This guy gets every job. Ted Wheel of Fortin, Sajak's going away. He's calling it quits. In slide Seacrest to take over the easiest gig in all of game shows. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't know what to make of it. Is this is this Seacrest kind of Are you saying he's out? mailing it in? I don't know. I mean, Drew Carey mailed it in whenever he took the prices right. Never saw That's him true. do anything else again. But I'm sure Seacrest will still do the New Year stuff and all that. Come on, he's Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, you're probably right. It just It probably pays great. It's the easiest thing in the world to, to do. For a guy that's hosted a bunch of amazing stuff, this is like it probably takes like five percent of his brain power. So maybe you're right. Maybe he's going to keep doing everything. 
the thing that made Sajak so good was like the dry humor. I I wonder what Seacrest, like what approach he's going to take. Cause he's not like that, right? He's more of a, you know, an upbeat, energetic type of guy. Is he going to try to be Pat Sajak or is he just going to be himself? Like it, the show could have a very different feeling. You know, I, it could, and I'm sure it's going to start out that way. Like his personalities there, but you know, 30 years of hosting a, a game show like the wheel of fortune. Sure. Everyone at some point becomes very dry and yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, <laughs> this is this is how I, I I don't know how much they're paying him. I bet it's like twenty million a year at the very least. God. I'll act however you want me to act for twenty million dollars a year. I'll no kidding. Whatever you want on camera, I got you. However you want me to act, I can do it. Tw- one million. I'll do whatever <laughs> you want for one million a year. Call right? us. Call us. We afford you. You'll have two hosts. We'll take half. Now, I think this is how this works. Don't they record like eight shows a day or something I, like that? And like I read, really front load them? I read that Pat Sajak worked four days a month. And they would record six episodes a day. And was making at least they said Forbes reported, I think it was in twenty sixteen, he was he was making fifteen mil a year. That's interesting. I it makes sense now because whenever you watch it, I think you can tell when the first show of the day was and when the sixth show of the day was, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's had it. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's so, awesome though. That's funny. Yeah. Also thought about going with Austin Reeves. Just a reminder, NBA free agency Ooh. on Friday. That man's about to get paid. What do you think he's going to make? 25? I I really don't know. I think there's been some stuff. Mark Stein put, put something out there that the Lakers are going to do what it takes to retain him. So, yeah, dude, he's, I mean, somewhere between 15 and 20 a year, I'm saying. Yeah, that's what's crazy. That's a year. Yeah, no, it. I think he's, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if some other teams are out there like, you know what, we're gonna send him a hell of an offer, and we're gonna make the Lakers match it. Yeah. So we'll we'll see, but it's good. Friday is gonna be a good day for Austin Reeves. Very he very will good. Become day. a one hundred millionaire most likely. Yes, but my winner awesome. of the week. I'm going with Trent Dilfer, man, because I actually, I liked that he came out and said what he said. Now he was on the Rick and Bubba show in Birmingham. And he just, he shared some thoughts on tampering. And here's the quote. Come try to get my guys. I dare you power fives. I got a pretty big damn platform that I could step on. And if I find you in my kids DMS, and if I find you talking to high school coaches about my kids, if you are in my roster, I'm going to call your ass out. I'm going to say it by name to the big, biggest voices in television, and it's going to make game day, and it's going to make Sports Center. End quote. I think a lot of group of five coaches feel this way. And I like that Dilfer's coming out and said, I know that some people don't necessarily like him. They think he's arrogant. 
uh, the ESPN, the way that that all went down has, has made him a punchline for some people. But I think he came out and said what a lot of coaches want to say. And I respect that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I, lo- I love everything about it. The only thing I wonder is, does it affect anything for him in like recruiting or with yeah. his own roster? Like that's the only thing. And I think, I think at that point it's minimal um, because you really have to, you have to kind of go out of your way to, as a player to think that he doesn't want what's best for me. You know, he's, but that's actually not the case. He just wants people to do what you're supposed to and abide by the rules. Right. And I do think that, I think what he said can be interpreted in different ways, like you're saying, because I could understand if someone hears Dilfer say this, and he said, he said he believes group of five coaches don't call out other coaches because they want to be power five head coaches and they're afraid of stepping on toes and what that will do for their career trajectory. And he basically said, Hey, I want to be at UAB. So I'm not scared to do this, but I do think what he said can be viewed as selfish as that he's in it for himself and not for the players because, and there's an argument to be made that if you're balling at UAB and Bama wants you, right? That the best thing for your career, for your NFL draft stock, for your football future is to go to Bama and prove you can do it in best conference in the country. But that I, I think that's that's fair. So Dilfer taking this stance, like you don't want to be viewed as the group of five coach that is trying to prevent you from getting to the power five and getting an opportunity like that. That could be a life altering opportunity. So I it, it's a slippery slope, man. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, you know, it, it it's interesting too though that I, what percentage of, of guys is it really the right move to go to Alabama? Because on face value, how often are Power 5 schools filling roster holes, adding good depth more than they are finding go-to superstars to put in plug in as their go-to wide receiver i if you're that good at birmingham to where you're going to go to alabama and be their number one everyone agrees that's where you go but if you're the leading receiver at alabama birmingham and university of alabama wants you on their roster and you're going to be a rotational guy is that like, where does that come out in the wash? Is that actually better for you? Like, that's what I don't know. Um, but I I have no problem with Dilfer saying what he said. Like, I, I, you know why I think he says it and no one else says it? Because he just started coaching college football. And everyone else knows. I guess I shouldn't say everyone else. If you're going to start calling people out, you better be super clean on whose DMs you've been in yourself. Correct. Right? So I think that's why 
nobody says anything is yeah. because I think there's a whole lot of people out there on like, maybe it's not everyone on a staff, but there's, you know, going to be a couple of guys and there may even be a couple of guys on uh, a Trent Dilfer staff that he doesn't know about yet exactly what their, their track record is, where they've been, you know? So that's, I think that's kind of where that ends up. Yeah. You, you better make sure you've got your house in order. That's right. Right. And best of luck to Trent Dilfer on having college kids cooperate because that's what it's going to, that's what it's going to take. And I've said it many times. The only way tampering slows down, if, if, if players call coaches and runners, whoever, if players call them out. Back same thing with the NIL stuff, right? Yeah. Like the only way that there any of that ever gets slowed down is if you actually have some type of enforcement there. Yep. All right. For my loser of the week, thought about go with Damian Lillard. I just, I, I feel like everyone loved him because he's loyal to Portland, right? And he's not ring chasing. And some of the quotes he's had over the you know last couple of years, but it seems like that could be waning a little bit because now it's a couple off seasons in a row where there's discussions about him being traded and meeting with the GM and we're just talking about a lot. And I think a lot of people are a little tired of it at this point, you know? Yeah. Well, I get that. Uh, I understand him and his loyalty. And I also understand that, you know, there comes a time also whenever you have to be realistic and I, who knows what he values. And in the NBA, there is, I think way too much put on whether or not an individual player has won a championship or not. Like ultimately that's what you're going to be. Like your legacy is going to be, well, did you win a championship or not? And that, I think that gets into a lot of guys' minds and, you know, father time, always wins and you know i'm not saying that he's slowing down but he can probably see at least where that point is going to come and you got to start maneuvering if if he's worried about his legacy and winning a title like which everyone's trying to win a championship like i'm not suggesting that they're not but you've got to be realistic about it and start to consider if maybe going somewhere else is a better path for that yeah no and We'll see what ends up happening. But it all is an annoying discussion over and over every year. Yeah, it's like neither, you know, Dame doesn't want to look like he's pushing his way out. Portland doesn't want to trade him. They don't want to trade, like, possibly the most loved player in the history of the franchise. It's just, okay, you know, do we have to talk about it as much as we do? I I don't know. I don't know. But it seems like some people are getting a little tired of it. But my loser of the week, Nick Saban. He's been coming up a lot in winners and losers and a couple things, a couple reasons why. Number one, Ryan Williams, who is a five-star wide receiver that's a Bama commit, told our buddy Bud Elliott that Nick Saban told him, quote, he's going to be coaching until he croaks over. <laughs> and clearly, and this has to be getting so annoying for Saban, he's getting more and more fed up with other schools telling recruits that he's going to retire soon. And people are basically out in these streets going, Hey, Nick Saban is old. And that just, when you are constantly having to deal with that, 
when you're the best coach of all time, like, and you should have everyone's respect and you should be allowed to die on the sideline if you want to. I just, I just feel like that's got to be very annoying for Saban. Yeah. Uh, if he does follow through on that and coach until he croaks, it will be caused by a defensive lineman lining up in the neutral zone on a third down. That will be what sends him to his uh, his ultimate demise. It, it could be a fourth and one defensive lineman jumps on the hard count. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, it'd be like like a fourth and four where it's just like, oh my gosh, how stupid are you? We got this, you get the stop and there's the flag over there. Neutral zone infraction first down. Yeah. Yeah. But something like that. Yeah. The second reason, and I'm thinking this pisses off saving more than the people calling him old and say he's going to retire. Do you see this thing about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? Yeah. Implementing what they call the beat Georgia period to Michigan's football practices. And now a couple of years ago, they added the beat Ohio state or beat Ohio, whatever period, which I, from what I've been told, it sounds like it's just nine on seven, which awesome. Great, great name for nine on seven drill guys. I'm not sure what the beat Georgia period looks like for Michigan, but I know this Nick Saban saw that and was like, you gotta be kidding me. Beat Georgia, and it's just a reminder. Georgia's the king of college football right now. Yep. Not not Bama. Not Bama. And that's got to, that just has to bring some serious anger to Nick Saban. You got people calling you old and saying you're going to retire, and now you're not even viewed as the top dog in college football anymore. Mm. Angry Saban this week, if I had to guess. Angry, angry Nick. I like it. Uh, you know, I, I actually like that Harbaugh does it. I think that's that's something good to implement because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the position of a, of a Michigan player. If, if I had a – if I was at OU and I had a beat Georgia period, it would piss me off that we are looking at someone as the king of the mountain and it's not us. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, but I love to that it. effect I for Michigan. Great. Like they played Georgia two years ago and Georgia beat the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember the, in, in the college yep. football playoff in the semifinal. So I, I don't think it's unhealthy to say, yeah, that's the standard. We want to be what Georgia is right now. We want to be the back-to-back champs. Like they are, they're sitting on the throne right now. They got the crown. We got to go take it. Mm-hmm. it. Maybe, maybe that's a good motivational tactic for for Harbaugh and for that program. I, I hear what you're saying. Like that would annoy the absolute hell out of me. In a good way, though. Like for me, but in I a think good that's way. what they're going for. Yeah, I, it, it, I, it would be like, really. Watch this, all right. Yeah. Watch, watch this. You think they're the best? Watch this. Yeah, I, I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, and you know, you and I, we, we get after Harbaugh a little bit on here, but I also love. It shows respect to Georgia, but come on, we all know this is just 
This is just twisting the knife, Ryan Day in Ohio oh, State, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Smack you them two years in a row. Kill two birds with one stone on that deal. That's that's great. That's yeah. great. I, I so it's it was one of those things where I was like, oh yeah, respect for Georgia. That's good. But I was like, yeah, that is uh that's Harbaugh saying, Oh, Ohio State, yeah, you know, two years in a row, we've conquered that. You know, I like <laughs> yeah. I like that. He Gotta plays that game football. for sure. No doubt. On that note, episode 331 in the books. Just a reminder, new podcast on Sunday, Kenny Stills, awesome conversation. Another reminder, strong language. So maybe don't listen to that one with the kiddos. And then next Wednesday, Q&A. I do cry. I said I may or may not cry. I do cry. <laughs> and it's Teddy's fault, but uh, some uh, really fun one. Yeah. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy. From three to six on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time